Okay, so this is session nine of our Smoke and Snow campaign. When last we left off, our group of intrepid adventurers had made a camp on the Witch Isle, a snow-shrouded island in the middle of a lake where, during the hours of darkness, the dead are drawn to the isle, seemingly towards a cadre of undead knights. Over the course of their investigations, the heroes have discovered that there appeared to be a number of these like mutated sort of humanoids on the island, guarding a large pulsating green stone. They've had a few brief tussles with them, and they've also encountered what appeared to be a, a race of dwarf-like beings adapted for the Arctic conditions, which for convenience we're calling frost dwarves. These frost wars revealed that they are living and caring for one of the ancient sort of tomb strongholds of this long deceased order of knights. However, recently they have been besieged effectively in their stronghold by these mutated humanoids, and there's battles raging inside the the barrow mound effectively. Our heroes penetrated a little bit into the barrow mound, but were forced to withdraw when Brother Lomas was injured to get him to safety. They've also met up with some frost dwarves who said they'd basically snuck out of a, a sort of secret passage and were sort of exploring the island. They had a brief, uh, a brief discussion with them, got a bit more of an idea about what was going on. Uh, we don't have Colin with us this evening. He's not feeling very well, unfortunately, so get well soon, Colin. And we're going to say, for convenience sake that his character, Leopold Stavish, who is a one of the Kalner or dwarves, has basically gone off to sort of like parlay with the uh, the frost dwarves so that none of us have to play an extra character. When last we left our heroes, they'd made camp in a small snowy clearing. Weimar, Malcolm and the boar that he'd befriended were all asleep, around a crackling campfire. Brother Lomas was on watch. He's just finished his prayers when he hears the the dragging, soft, snowy footsteps coming through the trees towards their position. And as he peers into the darkness beyond the flickering of their firelight, he sees the pitted, sightless skulls and frost-bitten dead flesh of the undead moving towards him. Okay, so everyone else is asleep. Brother Lomas, you've just completed your prayers. As I say, you've looked up. You've seen these creatures shambling towards you through the trees. What do you want to do? We're not technically in combat rounds yet. What do you want to do? Okay, um... I'm looking at the situation. I'm fairly convinced that they've spotted me, am I? Yeah, they seem to be converging yeah. on your position. Maybe drawn by the firelight. Maybe yep. maybe their undead senses are allowing them to detect the life force of living people. Who knows? But they definitely appear to be like converging on your position. Okay. Um, well, I am going to yeah rush back to the, the fireplace and uh, wake up my companions okay as, no problems as quickly to, as possible feel free to move yourself back okay i shall put myself between the, the two of them here okay, okay. 
Okay, and I'll remove those sleep statuses of everyone else. Um, I will sort of still um, wake them up quietly just in case there's more of these things that uh, are maybe not quite sort of um, homed in on our, our camp yet. Roll me a d6, please, Brother yep. Lemus. Lovely. Okay, so as you're you're sort of moving around and you're sort of like nudging people to like wake them up. Yeah, yeah. So Weimar, Malcolm, you're now awake. As you're doing that, you happen to glance upwards, and in the f the dim sort of flickering of the firelight, you see on the ridge to the north of where you're camped some more figures. Oof. Jeez. Okay. Again, moving um, with a slow, shambling gait of the undead, and they appear to be like literally walking towards this like ten-foot drop. Oh, okay. N not slowing yeah. down at all. They're just sort of shambling forward as though they don't even register this drop is there. Okay. Well, I sort of whisper to the the rest of the group, "It's the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. They're coming from both sides." And uh, obviously. Sort of help them get up and equip themselves as quick as possible. Okay, so effectively you guys are going to get, because you're not surprised, thanks to Brother Lomas, quickly waking you up, you're effectively going to get one turn to act before we go into like proper full sort of combat rounds. So, Weimar, what do you want to do? You've been sort of jolted awake by Brother Lomas, I'm going to assume for convenience that Lamas has pointed out these these shambling creatures getting closer. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I'm doing a quick inventory check. No problems. We have a fire going, so that is, is something. Hmm. Right. As you're sort of so, as you're sort of looking around hmm. and considering your actions, why am I? You hear like the <laughs> of uh, Malcolm's boar waking up. It sort of stands <laughs> up and it like shakes itself like a thin, a thin trickle of snow streams off it. And as you're sort of like looking around, you feel the the soft wet patter of a light rain that is falling. Yeah. Um, so, in general, what is the temperature here? Uh, it's rain, so obviously it's not extra super cold, right? Right. Yeah. The second. Yeah. It's it, it's not sort of like freezing cold. I mean, we are, although we are in a sort of subarctic environment, we are still technically in Valconan summer, so it's yeah. not sort of freezing cold. Okay. Um, we have a chance here to do something, which we might not afterwards. So I, th hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, okay, where is my measuring stick? Okay. <clears throat> right. Well, I guess I guess I'll I'll take my. Yeah, shit. They really got the drop on us. <laughs> I I'm gonna get my bow. And uh, I'm going to shoot one of the ones on the ridge. So, okay, just ping which one you want to shoot. Yeah, let me get that. this one. Okay, so I'll shoot 
this one. Okay, no problems. And there's the longbow. Nope. Okay, missile. And uh... yeah, okay. So here we go. 13. Okay, you have hit it. So you shoot the the skeleton. You see the arrow thunk into it. It topples over backwards with a soft thump as it falls into the snow. And uh, I will... I will go this way. Yep, feel free to move yourself. Getting a second arrow and uh, sort of eyeing these these up here. Okay, no problem at all. Malcolm, what are you doing? And obviously you have control uh, of your boar as well. Yeah, so I am going to move to here and have my boar come with me and I want to shoot this one here. Okay, so before you make your shot, one thing you do notice as you're moving across, you notice that Perhaps during the night, some of the like, the snow that was originally on the ridge and was sort of coating it, perhaps due to the rain or the slight rise in temperature, has sort of sloughed off and fallen off in a pile, like at the foot of it. And as you move across, you can see it here. It has revealed what appears to be a previously concealed small entrance to some sort of like cave or something similar. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so I'll take note of that <clears throat> yep. and uh, maybe whistle to the others and point them in that direction say that there's something there and then I'll try and shoot this one closer to me on the ridge okay go for it uh, okay, yeah. 19 yep. okay so describe how you take out this zombie um <clears throat> So I guess it's just kind of uh, walking along doing a zombie thing. Yep. Um, and the arrow comes and it kind of takes the head off it. And then the body just kind of keeps on walking for a few feet before it kind of falls over into the snow. Indeed it does. The body takes a few faltering steps without its head. And actually the body like tumbles over and lands on the snow at the bottom of the ridge. Okay, Brother Lomas. Um... I just need a quick rule check regarding, obviously, mm -hmm. turning undead. Yeah, I just so happen to have the rules here. Yeah. I had a quick look. It, how is it limited in sort of how many times you can do it, or can you target the same group multiple times? It's always been a little bit... Uh, as far as, as far as I'm aware, that there is no limit how many times you could use it. I would say that you cannot like reuse it on the same group in the same scene. Otherwise, you could just sort of keep blasting it off. So, would it be acceptable to sort of try it on that top group and then potentially in future rounds try it on the bottom group? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna. What, what is the range? Have you got the range there, John? Let me have a look. Uh, 
Right, there is no ranger listed, so I would just say it's as long as they're on the, sa the same map as you, basically. Yeah. Okay. And there's, there's nothing obvious like impeding your sort of turning attempt, which there okay. isn't in this case. Yeah, so in, in that case, I'm going to stand by the fire so they can clearly see my sort of holy symbol. Yeah, you, you uh, stand next to the fire, illuminated in the sort of bronze and yellows from the flames as you lift yeah. out your holy symbol. Yep, and I shall call out the assistance of Leander. Uh, release these tortured souls. And I sort of hold it up and nice. try and hold them back. What does your holy symbol look like? Um, yeah, I mean, coming from a fairly sort of um, poor background, it's fairly sort of simple wooden mm -hmm. construction. Um, only sort of thing of note is a, a, you know how it's joined at the the actual sort of crucifix point. Yeah, you know, it's got a sort of not fancy, but a little bit of silver there holding the two the two sort of sticks together almost. Okay, so as Brother Lomas stands next to the fire, holding up this wooden cross, the the light of the fire caught on the the sort of silver joining of the two wooden slats yeah. make your turn on dead roll. Okay. Um, Which I believe you should just be able to roll directly from your carriage. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Well, that doesn't seem great. Six. Okay, it's not great, unfortunately. <laughs> you needed a seven. Oh. Okay, so okay. you you call upon the the power of Leander, but it's quite strange as you as you call on the power of Leander, you feel like this almost like cold, sort of like tingling sensation run down your spine as though it feels to you it's difficult to articulate but it feels to you as though there's there's some sort of maybe magic or some sort of force in this place that seems to be sort of acting against you and making it more difficult to call upon the help mm. of Leander obviously you can still move why are you doing your turning? So if you want to move anywhere, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, yeah, I'm going to stay fairly central for now, um, so I can react either okay. way. No problems. Okay, so we move on to the the actual like proper combat round. So if you guys head over to the the combat tracker, which has is the um, the little fist icon on the right hand side. You should see everyone who's involved in the combat there. I'm going to quickly re-roll the initiative. There we go. Now, anyone who's wielding like a heavy weapon will be sort of shuffled down to the bottom. Seems to be how it works. Okay, so first of all, we've got Malcolm. So what do you do? Okay. Um, so... This thing's about 10 foot high, this bank, is it? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to shoot the next one on the bank. Um, okay, go for it. Ooh, I'm guessing 10 is a miss. Indeed it is. Your arrow sails over the head of the skeleton. You've obviously misjudged the range slightly, and you hear the soft as it lands in the snow some distance behind him. Okay, so we move on to 
Malcolm's ball. Uh, he's just going to stay with me for this round. Okay, no problems. And next up we have Weimar. What do you want to do, Weimar? I will shoot this one. With, with my bow. Oh, not my light. Uh... Oh, you mean that you, is you not mean, a hit. You mean you're not just going to run up <laughs> on the ridge and like tonk him with your bow? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so your arrow actually like sticks in the leg of the zombie, but obviously with it already being undead, it doesn't seem to cause any great difficulty. Obviously, it's not suffering from blood loss or anything like that. Okay, so to speed things up, I'm just going to move all of the various bad guys in a wanna. So the, the zombies and the skeleton up on the ridge that are moving towards it, they literally just continue moving forwards, not even paying attention to the fact they're about to fall 10 foot off a ridge, and fall they do. There are three soft thumps as they just literally like pitch themselves over the edge into the snow. And then you watch as sort of slowly they start sort of like lifting themselves to their feet. But that's going to take the rest of their turn. Okay, so let me move all the ones at the bottom. As you see these, the undead to the south, sort of shambling into the firelight. And one of them has got to Malcolm, so I'm going to make a quick attack for that. Okay, so you take a mighty one hit point of damage, Malcolm, as this skeleton shambles out of the snow and claws at you with these sharp skeletal fingers. Okay. okay. Seemed unnecessary, but okay. On to the next round, Malcolm. <clears throat> Okay. Yeah, uh, so, sorry. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I missed you out. I apologise, yeah, brother. I didn't Lance. know. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know if I was. You are absolutely yeah. correct. I will. I will ask for forgiveness from Leander after this session. Yeah, I, I think he's being hampered at the moment. So. That. That's okay. So you take <laughs> take your move now, brother Lewis. Um. Yeah. Let's have we got a an overall plan here of trying to get out, or are we just? Well, from what you've seen, I mean, obviously you haven't, because all this is combat rounds, it's taking mm. seconds each round. Yeah, yeah. You've not really had time to sort of discuss a plan. Yeah. From what you've seen, Malcolm and his boar have sort of moved off to the east um, and they're now engaged with some skeletons. Weimar has moved off to the sort of northwest yeah. and has been sort of like trying to pick off the ones that were on the ridge with his bow. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like Weimar's got potential exit route there so um, I'm going to go to try and assist Malcolm because he seems to get surrounded somewhat um, okay. so, so I, f I feel that my turning abilities is hampered but I don't think it's I didn't get the impression that it was impossible no it, it's, it's not in, hard to tell. It, it, it's a little it felt like, like you were pushing against some sort of external force it's okay. not completely nullifying your abilities but it's 
it just okay. makes it feel a bit more difficult. Okay, uh, and I'm going to move over here. Um, which is my movement, hang on. Um, I'm going to stand side by side, and I'm going to try and attempt one more time okay. to resist these zombies Go for to it. the south. Um, again, praying hard to Leander to assist me. Doing a bit better that time. Lovely. Okay. So... So, turn attempts have succeeded. So, you need to roll 2d6 to determine the number of hit dice that are affected. Okay, 2d6. Incoming. Only a 5. Oh, it's better than nothing. It certainly is. Okay, so Practice your original roll was a 10. So, that is enough to turn both types of undead. Not enough to destroy them. Turned undead will leave the area if possible. And will not harm or make contact with the cleric. So, five hit dice of one dead. Okay, so I know it's not technically their turn, but I'm going to move the ones that are affected away a couple of squares, just so you can see that they're the ones who are who are going. And I will put a a marker on them so that I know they've been turned so you watch as a couple of the skeletons and a couple of the zombies almost as though they're being repulsed by your prayers to Leander sort of starts staggering backwards slowly away from you you see uh, the two nearest to you sort of like very clumsily like throw up their hands and let out a a mournful groan, or at least the zombies do, and they slowly start staggering back as though the force of your faith is literally repelling them. Is is that all five of them, John, or is it just those? It's just the four that I've marked. Oh, okay. The, uh, I mean, the crosses. Would that have actually saved Malcolm from getting attacked, or? Do you know what? Yeah, actually, it would have done. So, yeah, you can have that hit point back. So, I'll, I'll step up and... Malcolm, be careful. They're coming from the south. And I'll sort of <laughs> fend them off as best as possible. Yeah, and as he says that, sort of in between his prayers to Leander, Brother Lomas holds up his crucifix again. And as I say, you see, like, four of these creatures, like... Sort of being driven back, they've not sort of turned around and like they're running for it, but they're slowly staggering backwards as they're like some invisible forces pushing them backwards. Ah, it seems your prophet is not without his uses. <laughs> and as, uh, you, as you say that, we go on to your go, Malcolm. Cool. So, uh, I am going to have my boar come up here to this guy in the uh, snow and hopefully gut him. Go for it. Uh, 15. That'll do it. 
Okay, so your boar charges into one of these skeletons, literally hitting it with the force of a battering ram, and just just this explosion of like bones and bits of cloth that sort of fly out into the area as this huge sort of arctic boar just like smashes straight into it. Okay, and then I'll just have him move over here to attack the next one on his next go. Okay. And with my attack, I will attack this one here. Uh, which is a hit for five points of damage. Okay, so describe how you take this zombie out. <clears throat> um, so I guess it's kind of shambling forward, kind of looking over its shoulder to see where its friends have gone. Yep. And as it just turns its head back around, it just gets an arrow in the forehead and it just kind of falls back into the snow. And indeed, that's exactly what happens. So we come now to Weimar. You can still see there's more undead coming from the southwest. There's a couple who are like in the campsite proper, and the others yeah. to the um, to the southeast are staggering back, repulsed by the force of Brother Lomas's faith. So I'm gonna go there. Yep, no problem. And uh, shoot down at this one. Okay. I've actually forgotten to add my plus one for my range. Nine. Okay. Unfortunately, your arrow gets caught in the tree between yourself and the <laughs> zombie. Okay, so we move on to the undead. So, not, not concerned with your arrow that's been going on. These two zombies are going to attack the boar. These ones here that have been turned are going to continue moving away. I'm going to have to butt in again, John. Yep. Just so you don't have to undo anything. <laughs> I, I do apologise. I'm so used to all the party being like together. Yeah, yeah. So I go for uh, it, man. Go for it. No, I just don't want to mess up your... No, it's all good, man. It's, all, it's my fault. Um, so I'm just going to move down here and take a slingshot at this... Uh... Oh, how do I ping him? Oh, yeah. Just hold down your left mouse yep. button. Yeah, yeah. Just okay, go for it. Slingshot on that one. Oh. Blimey. Okay, so as this zombie is shambling into the light cast by your campfire, you swirl your slingshot around your head, unleashing a stone at it that strikes it in the face without uttering a word or a groan it falls on its side and lies still okay so I'll carry on moving the rest of them so let's see where they can actually get to with their move Okay, so there's a few of them going to be attacking the boar. So, make a roll for that. Okay, 
gets us six points of damage and the second one does not hit so so your boar has taken six points of damage if you can knock that off rob uh, yeah and then there is one of them attacking brother lomas who perhaps repulsed by the aura of faith that still plays around you, abysmally fails to do anything of note to your brother Lomas. And we move Sigh on. relief. <laughs> and we move on to the next round. So, Malcolm. Um, okay, so my boar is going to uh, gut whichever one damaged him, or certainly attempts to. Okay, go for it. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so your boar smashes another one of these zombies to the ground. Okay, and then I'm going to shoot one of the ones that is uh, attacking it as well, the closest one to me. Okay. Which is a hit for two points of damage. Indeed, and as the, as the skeleton to the south of your boar is getting ready to throw itself on the giant shaggy creature, you notch an arrow to your bow, let fly, it sinks into the skull of this skeletal creature, and it topples to the ground. Okay, so, why more? Well, I suppose it's going to be one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, let's just go the full range. And then, yeah, so we're going to shoot this one. Okay, so you run along the edge of the ridge, turn, draw your bow, notch an arrow to it. Yeah, and then shoot the ground. Or maybe the the zombie. Indeed, describe how you take out this skeleton here. I suppose because it's it's getting to where the ridge is starting to rise. Yeah. So, uh, given that it it's not the most dexterous individual, uh, I think it stumbles and pushes pushes itself up. And just as it writes itself, it gets the arrow in the head and goes down again. Uh, but this time, it just yeah. lies there. It's lifting it itself up out of the snow, and there's the... Yeah. The arrow sinks into its skull, and it drops down face first into the snow. Okay. So that's Weimar, so we'll do the undead. I'll move those other... I'm going to remove I'm those. Gonna, I'm going to take a swing at this one, John. Well, I say the, und the undead get to go before you because you're going last, remember? Because uh, you're, you're wielding a heavy weapon. Oh, because I'm in now in uh, melee. Yep. Yep. Cool. Okay, so I'm removing the ones at the bottom that have been turned. That They're gone. Cool. Okay, so the two attacking the boar. Okay, so nothing for the first one. And 
nothing for the second one. So they claw ineffectively uh, to the boar that's thrashing around. And we've got the zombie attacking Brother Lomas. Again, abysmally fails to do anything to you. So what would you like to do now, Brother Lomas? Yep, um, with my hefty quarter staff, I shall uh, yeah try and fend him off. A swing. Oh, not very successfully. Now, unfortunately, you're unable to do any damage of note to the creature that it's is pouring. Puffing and panting a bit now. All this activity. Indeed, and we roll back round to Malcolm. Okay, uh, so my boar will do his thing. Should be another dead skeleton. Indeed, the the boar yeah. smashes on one of these zombies with its tusks. Okay, and then I want to basically move to thing, here and shoot this one that's near Brother Nomus. Okay, now bear in mind it is in melee with Brother Lomas. Okay, so then maybe I'll move a little bit closer and hit it with my sword. Yeah, that's okay to recognize. That's absolutely fine. Yep. So that looks like a hit. Okay, so Brother Lamus, as you're trying to like fend <clears throat> off this this zombie, you see Malcolm come running in from the side, and he, with brutal efficiency, dispatches this zombie, sort of like smashing it down into the soft snow. Okay, why more? There's only one of these zombies left fighting against the boar. If I shoot the zombie. Is it going to risk hitting the boar? Yeah, because they're in combat. Um, basically, the way it'll work is there'll be like a 50% chance of you hitting the boar, a 50% chance of you hitting the zombie. So, like, one to three boar, four to six zombie. If you spend your entire turn just aiming, it'll be mm. one to two boar, anything else, the zombie. Yeah. Um, can I slide down the ridge, or is it a sheer drop? No, it's, it's not a shared job. Yeah, you can slide yeah. down. That's fine. Yeah, cool. So I then in that case, I would... Yeah, I, I would get next to the bro, <laughs> the, the boar. Yep. And um, sound sword, sling the the longbow, and uh, let's let's go in okay. with the sword. Okay, now for your sun sword, you actually get an extra bonus against undead. Ooh, uh, to like plus one to hit? Let me just check. It's it's written in the notes, but I'm going to have to print oh, the yeah. sheet. It's in the inventory, isn't it? Yeah, no problem. I'm on it now. Uh, sun sword, though. I can't remember whether I put it in the normal notes or the GM notes. Uh, I can't see it, so probably in the GM notes. Okay. It says plus one damage, but that's like hard coded, so that's not like conditional. Yeah, just give me a second. Sun sword, there we go. Yep, so you instead of getting a plus one, you actually get a plus three, so just add a plus two to it. In addition uh, to the one that's coded him. Yeah. Uh, and that's to hit and to damage. Yeah. 
So, wait, uh, let me just check that we're doing this correct. So, sun sword, and then plus two. I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, so as you draw, obviously you've not used the Sun Sword against Undead before. No. What I'll do is I'll add a separate entry to it on your character sheet after this session block when it's being yeah, used I'm against dead. Undead. Yep. But uh, as you pull out the Sun Sword and you swing it towards this Undead creature for a few brief moments before it strikes, the entirety of the blade appears to like burst into white fire. And as the sword slices into the undead flesh, the fire seems to sort of like burn the... Not like a normal fire, but it seems to burn away the undead flesh. And anyone who's nearby, you hear Weimar, in a voice that's clearly not his own, shouting very loudly, Die, abomination! And then the sword slices home and chops this zombie in two it falls to the ground in two limp bloody pieces the the section that has been cut appears scorched as though by great heat and there is a hiss as the parts fall into the snow and you see a little bit of steam rising up from it you're all breathing quite heavily with your exertions but you look around sort of holding your weapons to see if any further foes threaten you but after a few moments no further enemies have appeared and I'm going to toss the sword down and look at my hand. <laughs> yeah. See if I'm I'm all burnt. <laughs> you look at your hand. Your hand is absolutely fine. I didn't know it would do that. Okay. And I'll, I'll gather the sword in the scabbard it goes. Yep. Stow it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be quite open-mouthed because I'd have looked over... Yeah. Obviously, as the last zombie was failed. Yeah, and right. as you look over, as I say, you see the two parts of this like, bisected zombie, and you can see if you've ever seen sort of like burnt flesh with that sort of blackened, charred edge on it, it's like that. It's like to, to, to step into the world of sci fi for a moment, it's almost like someone has like cleaved it in two with like a lightsaber, Darth Maul style, and there's mm. still a bit Star of. Star Sword. Indeed, Star, Star Sword, the non union equivalent. There's, a, there's still a bit of heat around the wound, and you can see that it, where it's fallen with this heat, it's partially melted the snow under the bits of zombie, and there's still like this and like a few wisps of heat of steam coming up from the melted snow that are now dispersing in the cold night air. Hmm. Where do you get such a weapon? <laughs> oh, there's... There's some places in this land, all right, um, they've they've buried a lot of things. Luckily, this thing was good, or seems to be. And yeah, we've, we've there's old buildings forgotten for centuries now. I think, I guess. This is, I think, we think. Uh, a sword that maybe once was tied to the, and I'll, I'll point towards the uh, the ruins of of Witch Isle, the where we explained previously that the uh, Sun Knights were 
buried the, yeah. the sarcophagus ruins yep it's this we think is tied to their well living days somehow but i didn't know it would do that and i'll point out the grilled zombie a very interesting sword indeed i think we might have a chance that certainly gives me um yeah gives me hope mm. Mm. Um, We've my friends should help. we examine this uh cave that's become uncovered in the night oh, let me just quickly and I'll <laughs> put the bow away get the sword out uh, and John uh, I'm, I'm going to put the sword on each and every one of these bodies that we put down okay just now. so you start sort of like yeah so like remove the body uh, the, the, the heads uh, of each of them you do this for about sort of three of them and then as you're doing that, again, you feel your you feel your vocal cords, your mouth moving, mm-hmm. although you're not doing it. And you hear the voice of the sword go, They're already bloody dead! Uh, and then, <laughs> then I say again, <laughs> No, you don't, you don't understand. They, they rise up afterwards, after a while. Things don't stay dead here. Fine, fine. And again, <laughs> you're, you're, the rest of you, you're hearing why am I having this conversation with himself in two different voices. And uh, after you, you have that discussion with the sword, when you touch the... You continue moving around. This time when you touch it to each of the bodies, again, it briefly flares with this white fire, which seems to briefly consume the the fallen bodies, sort of charring them and partially sort of like sinking them into the snow as it melts around them. Yeah. So you go, you go around and like... Yeah, and light them all up. Oh, put it away in the scabbard again. Uh, I'll pick up my, my arrows, presuming, presuming that I can. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah. Malcolm, uh, we should definitely do that. If only to check that there's not more of these there. Yeah, as as um, Weimar is doing that, I'm going to have a little listen at the sort of entrance of the cave. Just okay. Just in so, case. Brother Lomas, can you please make me a listen at doors roll? It's in your abilities, yeah. just underneath where your picture is. Okay, so you will hear something, but you're not going to hear in quite as much detail. So as you're listening, you can hear from like, presumably fairly far in the cave, you can hear what sounds like a door sort of rumbling sound. Hmm. Like a... A, a, a fair distance in, I would say. Yeah, it's quite faint. Yeah. 
Well, I shall, uh, I shall draw the attention of my uh, companions to this noise. See if they make anything of it. What it could be. Okay, so if any of the rest of you want, you can also make a a listen at the doors roll. Okay, so Malcolm, you hear pretty much the same thing. Yeah, all of you listen, you can all hear this faint like. And it sounds like it's fairly sort of distant, like deep in the cave, but you don't gain anything further from listening. We think it's some sort of creature sleeping, maybe? be my initial guess okay so what do we do uh... I take it it's sort of pitch black in there no light source it, it does appear to be dark in there yeah yeah Um, we haven't got anyone that can see into the darkness, have we? Uh, I can. Oh, you can. It's just I'm just wondering if we went in there with lights, we're just gonna draw attention to ourselves. Else. But why don't I stick my head in and see what I can see? Yeah, just a short distance. Be careful, I'll say. Okay, so I'm not going to move you onto the map of the cave because you're just sticking your head in. That's absolutely fine. As you look in, you can see that this cave appears to run like under quite a lot of the ridge. It's a fairly sort of expansive cave. And as you're peering in, you can see rock formations, stalactites, stalagmites, etc. All the sort of normal stuff you expect to see in a cave. Just on the very edge of your, your night sight you can make out what appears to be a a dark patch and uh, something that there's something on the floor but obviously it doesn't appear to be shedding heat obviously you're using like improvision it doesn't appear to be giving any heat out so it's obviously not like a living creature but there's, there's like a lump of something just at the very edge of your sight okay and what size is the lump about half the size of a human, okay. roughly. Because you, literally, you're just seeing like an indistinct blob, effectively. Okay. And does it feel like the sound is coming from the blob? That the sound appears to be coming from beyond the blob. Okay. Uh, and how roughly, how far away from me is the blob? It's like sixty feet, is it ninety feet? Let me just have a look, and I can tell you exactly how far away it is from you. It's about 40, 50 feet away from you, give or take. Okay. From the sort of cave entrance. Okay. So I'll just turn back to the guys and say there's something in there uh, about 40 or 50 feet in, um, but I'm too far away to see it. So I'm going to go in and see if I can see it up closer. Um, if I'm not back in 
five minutes. Uh, come and rescue me. <clears throat> okay. All right. I guess I'll get the torch going then. I <laughs> say, so, yeah, what light source we got? Okay. Now, I've not tried moving one person to a map before, but let's see if I can do it. Okay, so I'm hoping you should be able to see the map now. Rob. Yeah, I can. Okay, obviously the other players and your board aren't actually there. I moved them there just in advance in case you went in. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so the blob is directly ahead of me, is it? Yep. Okay. Okay, so as I get kind of halfway to it, can I have a better idea of what it is? Okay, now you're a little bit closer, although like I say, it's difficult because it's not giving out heat and you're using improvision. You can make out some more of the details just because the, the stone it's on is marginally colder than it. Um, you think it appears to be a pile of bones, possibly human. You're not sure, like I said, because they don't give out any heat, so it's difficult to tell just using improvision. Okay. And where is the sound coming from? It's beyond that, is it? Indeed, the sound is beyond that. It appears to be coming from somewhere in this direction. Maybe you can see my ping. It's right beside the bones, is it? Yeah, it's coming from further beyond that, but that's just the general direction. It's oh, okay, from. that general direction, okay. If I ping where it actually is, you won't be able to see it. Oh, okay, of course, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I will uh, move forward... Uh, right. And then what I think is that it's over here somewhere. Okay. Right. Okay, so now that I can kind of see it, can you describe it? I can indeed. Using your improvision, because this creature is giving off heat, you can see there's some sort of large creature that appears to be curled up. The the rhythmic sound has now resolved itself clearly into sort of like heavy breathing, uh, snoring effectively. So it appears that some large creature is sleeping in the cave. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Let me just... Uh, okay. okay. Rom me a d6. Okay. Okay, you sneak closer and the form resolves itself into what appears to be an extremely large bear. Now that you're closer to it, you can see it has the marks of various injuries on its hide and it appears to have curled itself up and it's currently sleeping and okay the, the rhythmic like you can hear is the creature snoring okay okay so i think i'll just head back to the party okay so move yourself down to the bottom and 
once I get outside, I'll just say that, look, there seems to be some sort of cave bear here and what seems to be a pile of bones. Um, yeah, so Malcolm emerges after like a minute or two from the cave. She tells you there seems to be some sort of large cave bear in there and a pile of bones. You can all obviously still hear the like rhythmics of the snoring of this creature. And that looked like the extent of the cave, did it? Did it go any further uh, past that point? Or? It didn't seem to go any further past that point, but there are other corners of it that are unexplored. Okay. Um, Alcoves, like alcoves, yeah, yeah. It seems oh. like this. It's, and it's kind of you can fit between the static lights and kind of move into corners and stuff. But I, I didn't put as much into it. Um, so, um, well, it sounds rare large, and I don't know that we have any business with it. I was going to say, have we got any value in encountering this bear? Did well, there's food and uh, hides, um, which are valuable, and um, it's also, if it's eating humans, there may be some other um, items of value uh, amongst the bodies that the bear had no use for. Um, but I couldn't see them because I didn't want to uh, turn on the light. But um, I do believe that there is. Um, and if we can approach it kind of quietly, we may be able to trap it in its sleep. Now, how would we go about that? What's what's the angle? Um, it seemed like it was in a narrow alcove, and that there was kind of definitely one door, potentially a second. And um, but I do feel like we would need to get up very close to it. Um, yeah. And what about this blob? That you described before what do you think that could be it's it's bones and uh, it's where it's disposing of the bones from the creatures had a feet okay so n not an undead creature of some description no okay he says optimistic at least uh, not yes <laughs> hey we have a sword our yeah, sword is special um, we, we have a sword, and I'm going to walk in there, and the bear is going to chomp me to death. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what is the status with furs and food? I mean, is that a valuable commodity to the, the town that we're... Well, food is definitely valuable, and obviously furs are always handy in these climbs. So we, we have two days worth of food for the four of us. Um... Right. So, uh, food is a problem. Um, is there? It's just the last time we did this kind of thing. It was in Castlemaine, and we had a house and a pit, and that is <laughs> a true. lot of things which we don't currently have. Uh. John, this cave entrance I went in. Yep. Is that big enough for the bear to get out? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I mean, we have got ranged weapons. We have got a fire that we could potentially set up in the cave entrance as a Because uh, I could lure it out into the open. You know, have a was, number of shots at it. I was thinking more dark. trap it in with the fire. Uh, as in, put the fire between us and, <laughs> and us and the bear. Yeah. But if, if you guys were on the the ledge and I oh, went oh. in and I brought it out and then I could hide behind the fire and then you guys could lay into it. Because um, I could potentially do some damage to it before it got out because I can see it in the dark. Um, that might be something that we could do. And then... You've got your boar as well, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm happy to take a position on sort of top of that ridge above the entrance. So where, where's the fire in this scenario? Are we putting the fire at the door? No, I think we can leave it where it is. And when I come out, I'll come past it and can grab a torch and kind of shine it in right. its eyes. Um, and Or, you know, to the, kind of distract it and then the boar can hit it from the back and you guys can shoot it from up top. Um, mm. And between the four of us, we should be able to do enough damage. And if not, we can just run away. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think you'd be doing the most running in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> One of the options is if we want to take the time, we could have a fire at the entrance, there's trees, and I'll point. They're green, but still, there's trees. We could try and smoke it out. Or even if we get really ambitious, we could take a couple of these, and I'll point at the sort of mid-range trunks, yep. sort of like that diameter-ish. We could take a couple of these, sharpen them, put them on the ground, as if to get a cavalry charge. Yeah. And, That's a uh, good idea. And, smoke, then... and fan smoke in. Eventually it's going to come out. Or we could just have you go in and run out. No, yeah, this is going to take some time. But... Yeah. But I, I definitely think the, the, the sharpened sticks is a great idea. Um, I just wonder if it's sleeping. How long we might be waiting for it. Whereas I know it will definitely wake up if I shoot it. Well, if it doesn't, that's good too. Just keep <laughs> yeah. shooting. <laughs> mm. That is well, true. If if we're gonna, you know, try that, let's let's get on with it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll get to wake I'll up get, at any and time. I'll, I'll get my hand axe and I'll, I'll get to work, John. I'll, I'll start doing a bit of. Uh, I suppose the skill I would be rolling if if there, if there was such a thing, it would be soldiering. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fine. You don't have to make any roll to like sharpen some wooden stakes and put them in the yeah. ground. That's fine. Yeah. So, a, a basic ass cavalry sort of deterrent is the plan here at okay. the door. So the only thing I'm going to ask you to roll is I'm going to ask you to roll me a d6 um, Weimar, and that's just purely because that the ground's pretty hard. So yeah. Anything but a one, you grant. Yeah. Praise Gale. Gale. <laughs> Gale, okay. it's Leander now. You have to praise. That's it. 
Ah, uh, should be I didn't get praising the gods for old games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have still like sunk these uh, these poles into the ground, but basically they're not as secure, so they'll do like a bit less damage. Yeah, is the upside of it. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, it's it's not like we have any kind of because it's cold here even in the winter so we don't even have the tools to actually dig in to yeah. the ground properly for these kind of things so mm. yeah it's it's shoddy of course so. Uh, okay so you've got that set up so brother lomas and weimar if you'd like to move yourself to like where you're going to be when and if this thing comes out I'm feel free you know go up above are we i think that's the safest place yeah yep I've got slightly less range, so I'm going to position myself there. Okay, thank you. I'll move yourself to where you want to be, Weimar. And then you're going into the cave, are you, uh, Malcolm? Yeah. Okay, so let me pull you back onto... As he goes, I'll say, don't be a hero. <laughs> oh, he definitely won't be. <laughs> Okay, so you duck back into the cave, Malcolm. Okay, so I want to move forward. Uh, move forward. Right, now, uh, can I see him past that? Yes, you can, yep. Okay, so, and then what's that? Okay, so that is 40 foot, which is short. Okay, so I think um, basically what I want to do is I want to shoot him from here um, at least once and then see if that works and wakes him and then take him from there. Okay. So let's see how that works. Make your shot. Okay. Uh, okay, 16. Okay, let me just check this. And that is a hit. Okay. And you did one point of damage. Okay, so your arrow basically scores like a, a shallow slice along this, uh, this large bear-like creature. You're rewarded when you hear the sound of it, sort of like a... <clears throat> And it's it starts rising to its feet, sort of, and you can see like more scars on it, bits of fur missing. It stands this this huge cave bear stands up to like its full height briefly as it's sort of looking around, and you can see it, it must be about fifteen foot tall. It's okay. it's huge. It's, it almost looks prehistoric. Okay. Then it sort of sniffs the air. It looks around. It looks directly at you. And then you see it like drop to all fours, and it starts something where you know like, it's getting ready to like pull itself forward. Okay. So, so what I'm going to ask you to do, because obviously we're not technically in combat rounds, but obviously initiative's important here. So I'm going to ask you to roll a d6. I'll roll a d6 for it. Whoever gets highest goes first. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so I'll move that. So, those of you on the ridge, 
you see Malcolm disappear into the cave. A few moments later, you hear this like, and then you hear the sound of a smashing and splintering stone as this thing charges towards Malcolm. So it's shattering small stalactites and fragments of rock as it just literally barrels towards him. However, since it's it's only woken up, I'm going to give it a penalty to its attack this round. So I'm going to make a claw attack. Okay, so it swings its wicked curved claws at you, Malcolm. However, you can see it's still a bit groggy. It's obviously not up to like its full speed. And you're able to athletically dodge these clumsy claw swipes. It's just swinging at you, basically. Okay. Over to you. Uh, I'm going to haul ass. Okay. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear. Uh, four, five, six. Now, can I go double my movement if I don't attack? Yes, that that's fine. Yeah. So I'll do that, and that should get me out past the fire and the uh, sticks. Okay. So let me move back to the clearing map, and I'll pull you onto that. So once you see the map, feel free to finish your movement, Malcolm. Uh, okay. <coughs> okay, so... You all see and you hear this bestial roaring of this creature and this huge, sort of wounded, almost prehistoric-looking cave bear so that it smashes its way out of the front of the cave. You can see bits of stone and snow cascading off it as it does so. And it's obviously heading for Malcolm, which means it will... It just sort of smashes into the, like the sort of punji stick-style things that you've set up. So... Wymog, can you please roll me a d6? Okay, so it takes five hit points of damage, and you see a number of the sticks actually like pierce the thick hide of this creature, and you see some blood running out of its injuries as it it just seems to be barreling towards Malcolm. Now, since we're in a combat, what I will do here is I will add the the bear onto the combat. And let's start. Let's add everything back on again. Boop. There we go. Begin combat. Okay, so, Malcolm. Um, okay, so what I want to do is come down to this big tree here and okay. basically spend my go uh, climbing up above uh, the height of the bear if I can, if this tree is big enough. Yeah, it's, it's certainly big enough. That's not a problem. I'm not making a rod for climbing or anything ridiculous like that. So okay. yeah, you you shin up this tree. It's not a very wide tree because obviously it's a conifer, but it's enough to hold your weight. So that's absolutely okay. fine. 
and I think I'll have my I'll whistle to my boar to come out and attack the bear. Okay, go for it. Uh, and he will. Uh, that is 16. That is a hit. So your boar charges in and begins to gore this creature. Let's damage it. There we go. Knocked the hit points off. Okay, so why more? You can see this boar with its tusks goring at this creature as it's sort of wheeled round as the boar's running from the side and it's sort of getting ready to lay into it with its claws. That's a vicious boar. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> don't want to. It's an Arctic boar. They don't. They don't come in any other flavor. Yeah, they. Um, they. They're not messing around. Uh, okay, so we're we're trusty longbow, uh, though it's 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 in a melee right now. Yeah. That's correct. Mm. That represents a quandary. Obviously, as I said, if you spend your entire turn aiming, yeah, the last chance of you hitting the ball. Hmm. Um, well, what I will do is uh, I'll get my pistol out. Nice. And I will just shoot it in the air. <laughs> and that's okay. So that's, make that's your um, make your misfire thing to see if your powder's okay. like dry enough. That was a ten, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so fine. You pull out your black powder pistol. You aim it up into the air, and <laughs> so I need to make a morale check for the this cheeky chappy. Okay, it's fine. Ah, shit. It does sort of look up briefly in the direction of the sound of the pistol shot, and you see it sort of flinch a little bit, especially mm -hmm. as the acrid smell of the black powder mm -hmm. starts drifting across the scene. But perhaps due to the fact this boar's attacking it, it's more concerned with the boar at the moment. Yep. And um, with that, I will, I will go there. That's half my move. One, two, three. Um, if if I wanted to get into that tree, is it feasible? Is it large enough to yes, climb? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll do that for the rest of my move. <laughs> okay, no problems. So we're going to move on to the cave bear, and then it'll be Brother Lomas. So the cave bear, unsurprisingly, is going to attack the boar. And now it's awake, it'll be using all of its attacks. So the first one. Ooh. Blatantly misses. It's it's still groggy. <laughs> Second one. No, that's not a miss. Okay, so that's six hit points of damage to your boar as it rakes it with one of its savage claws. Then its final attack. Ooh. Okay, so your boar takes another nine damage as it rakes it with its claw and then literally clamps its jaws onto the boar and rips out a huge chunk of its flesh. You see blood spray onto the otherwise pristine white snow. 
your boar looks almost dead. It's literally had like half the side of it like ripped out by this thing's huge jaws. Okay. And then we move on to Brother Lomas. Um... I mean, I could potentially kill the boar if I sh- shoot this thing. To be honest, um, to, to, to be fair, if if you did, I I don't think you'd be doing. I mean, it's like one hit point left. Oh yeah, but I think it's probably got another attack in it. But I'm, I'm that's true. If it's it, quite true. If it could run away, will it have to make any sort of morale check, or it will it have fairly... to make it will have to make a morale check on its turn? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think it's probably got a better chance of doing some decent damage. So I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna manoeuvre above the cave. So if this bear decides to try and get up this ridge, it's gonna make it a lot harder for it, hopefully. Okay. Just uh, wait to see how it plays out. Okay. So next round, Malcolm. Okay. That's uh, something. Sorry, I would like to get my boar to run away. Okay. Uh, First of all, make a a two d six morale check for it. They're actually Im- immune to. Oh, sweet! In which case, you uh, they never have to check morale. That's grand then. Uh, In which case, feel, feel free to have it run away under your control. <laughs> they, they don't mess around these boars. I, I believe that's uh, a function of it being like a sort of bonded like companion to uh, to Malcolm rather than it being a boar. I might be wrong. Okay. Uh, let's put him down there. Uh, I'm actually not sure what his movement is, but assume that he's pegging it. That should be about right. That's great. And uh, I will then use my turn to shoot this uh, injured cave bear and hope that he gets even more injured. Oh, or to uh, brush past his coat. <clears throat> Indeed. You fire one of your arrows and it sinks into the snow at some distance short. Okay, so we've done the ball, so it's Wymore. Okay. It's it's longbow from the tree. And plus one for the range. Okay. Uh Praise Gale. Mm. How's 15? That is enough to hit. You've done it three damage as your arrow sinks into the creature. Okay. It's now looking extremely wounded. Okay. On to its turn. Okay. For its move, it is going to charge into the tree that Malcolm is in and try and knock it over which it, it will hit the tree and it will knock it over because it's big enough so what I'm going to ask Malcolm is can you please make me a make me a breath attack save success okay so the tree you were in isn't there anymore however you don't take any damage as it falls over you like leap out just in time however 
the cave bear is still going to get to attack you, but it will only get one attack on you because obviously a lot of it's gone into like pushing the tree over rather than like its full sort of plethora of attacks it gets. Ouch. Okay, you take a mighty one hit point of damage as just as you're leaping out of the tree, it swipes at you and it just catches you a grazing blow as you land gracefully in the snow. Brother Lomas. You've heard like this as the tree was pushed over. You've seen Malcolm like, leap out of the tree and this thing just like catch him. There's like a a thin trail of like red droplets fall to the ground as one of its claws catches him as he lands sort of kneeling in the snow. Yeah, so they're, they're now in melee, aren't they? Yeah, but basically he, he's sort of like in the foliage and the branches of the fallen tree and it's going <laughs> trying to get at him, sending okay. chips of wood and bits of furs up into the air. Okay, that's not good. Um, I think I am going to, in that case, that's my movement right there. Um, I'm going to head down to the campfire, I think, um, to grab a torch. So I can I can come down this. Yeah, that's fine. You can slide down it. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna basically go and collect a, a torch. Okay. Um, so if it goes badly, I'm gonna try and yeah. Fend it off with a torch or scare it away with a torch next turn. That is absolutely fine. I'm just adding a torch onto your character. There you go, so that should have lit things up a little more for you. Cool. So yeah, you like grab a burning brand out of the fire and you're sort of holding it up, illuminating the scene. We move on to the next round. Malcolm, you're sort of in the midst of this foliage and you see these wicked claws and this snapping more of this bear as it's shredding this fir tree to pieces trying to get at you. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so I think I just want to hit it with my sword. Uh, for eight points of damage. And that is enough to kill it. Oh, nice. Cool. Okay, so as the creature's head bursts through the foliage, sort of trying to sort of get at you and bite into you, you shove the length of your sword, like your entire forearm, almost <laughs> disappearing into the, the gaping maw of this prehistoric horror. You twist the sword and slice it out with a sweeping motion. There's a spray of blood into the furs around you and onto the snow. The creature just collapses under its own weight and lies still. Okay. I shall run over with a torch expecting to find some sort of dismembered <laughs> body of Malcolm <laughs> and searching around in the foliage with my uh, torch lit. Oh, get the light out of my eyes. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> He says as he's like digging himself out from the tree, <laughs> covered in like bits of bear. Um, and I guess then what I want to do is start uh, gutting the bear and skinning it um, to uh, get some more food and okay. some uh, first. Roll me two d six, please. Uh, 
six. Okay. You have six rations from it. Okay. And also, you obviously have, like, the fur. Okay. Cool. Okay. And... Should we examine it, uh... Dead and see what, if anything, of interest it might have for yeah, us? Yeah, I mean, there could be something left from the bodies that... Yeah. It was uh, feeding on. Okay, so I'm not going to move you all onto the map since the bear was the only thing really in there. So I'll, g I'll give you a sort of description of it. It's a large cave. As you rightly surmised, Malcolm, the, the bones that you saw were the, the creatures, the undead, etc., that the bear had killed and just sort of like dumped the bodies after eating the flesh off them. One thing you do find though as you're sort of searching through the various sort of bones and offal and bits of frozen giblets that are lying around is you find tucked in what's perhaps the the remains of like a, a belt or something similar it's quite badly decayed so you're not 100% sure you find what appears to be a a piece of a badly stained parchment tucked in, sort of like folded up and like tucked behind the the belt, which seems to have okay. shielded it a little bit. And as you unfurl the parchment, I'm going to show you what you see. Let me know if you don't see this pop up on your screens. Yeah, we do. It appears to be a very crude map of some kind. Is that recognisable to you guys? That area, landmass. That looks like the Witch's Isle in the middle and the lake, right? Mm. Yeah, look, looking, at the, looking at the, the map, it does look as though the sort of lake and the island at the centre are probably the Witch's Isle. Which means that if you follow the river down to the coast, just to like the east of that, that would be where New Zealand is. Oh, well, there's south, south. There's your um, your forts there on the left. Okay. Fort Eastbourne and Fort whatever the the other name was. Kersey. Yeah, Kersey. Okay. Primitive villages. So have you already been to these locations or no? No. no. Oh, okay. No. This is as far east as we've gone. Oh, sorry, west. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah we've done, we've done a lot east. more on the east, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That's useful then. Uh sorry, John, how old do we know do we believe the forts to be? That they're that they're maybe like a couple of years old, they're not like massively old. Okay. And so indeed, as a new map. It, it's fairly new. It's not like ancient, ancient. It's just okay. badly weathered and sort of damp. Okay. And in fact, as you're talking about the, the, the forts and various things like that, to, to use a sort of movie slash TV analogy, we briefly cut to a different scene where a 
a man known to you guys as Cotton Nickel, the man you sent out on your uh, your errand to get some hirelings, is walking through the streets of one of the forts, Fort Eastburn. You, we see him sat in a small sort of inn. He's sat there with a number of people who we don't know. They appear to be relatively rough-looking sort. There's about there's about six of them, half a dozen of them sort of sat around. We see Cotton Nickel wearing his armour and his furs. His, his red beard slightly covered in snow and slightly damp. And he's talking to these six people and he says... Uh, so it's agreed then the, the the prices are the prices are fine to to hire your services gentlemen there's a numerous sort of like murmurs and grunts of agreements off the uh, off the six people around we we then see a second figure walk through we recognize hercules buchanan the trader that you met previously cotton says uh, buchanan uh, did, were they able to sort you out? He says, "Oh, y- yes, uh, yes. The I, I've, I've booked passage with the with the captain. Thank, thanks to your help, um, I'll soon start my my journey back to Rohaline to pick up my supplies. Uh, tell me, did you uh, did you have any luck finding those uh, dwarven soldiers you were looking for?" At which point, Cotton throws his hands up in frustration and he says, "No, um, more's the pity. Uh, can't find a, a damn Kalner in this place." Uh, Looked everywhere, but I've got I've got these I've got these six likely looking fellows. Um, uh, I think they'll do the job. Uh, anyway, you you best get on with your journey. He says, oh, "Are you heading back to Are you heading back to New Zealand now, um, Mister Nickel?" He says, "No, no. I was uh, I was also tasked to uh, see if I could find a a more a gentleman of a more learned sort who might be able to provide some uh, information and knowledge to uh, help the settlement. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay around here see if I can." scare up a person like that and um, then i'll start making my way back to new zealand uh, but you you get you get on board with the captain and uh book your passage and head back to uh head back to rowelina uh, with any luck uh, i'll see you again when you get back to Valcona. at which point uh buchanan sort of shakes his hands and he says well uh, th- thank you very much for all your help um yes i'll uh i'll go and start making ready for the journey now and he leaves at which point Cotton Nickel turns back to the six hirelings he's got and he starts conversing with them about the terms of their employment and that they'll be employed to help defend New Zealand. And as he's doing that, the conversation fades to a sort of a dull rumble. The scene fades to black and we cut back to the snowy clearing on Witch Isle as you're all stood around looking at this map. Okay. And I'm going to suggest, gentlemen, that's a good point to have a five-minute bio break. And then when we come back, you can decide what you want to do, if anything, with the map or if you want to continue your explorations. So we'll be back in five minutes. Cool. Hi, John. Yes, ma'am. Just so I'll get this right, the initiative... Yep. 
obviously when I'm using the two-handed staff or whatever, yep. you obviously get a massive minus. Mm -hmm. But if you're using like your sling or is, you, is, yeah. is that different? Or? What, what, you, what you need to do is if you, if you have a look at your character sheet hmm. and if you look in your inventory... You see next to the staff, there's something that looks like a, a shirt, like a little icon on the right. Oh, right, yeah. So basically, if something's ticked on there, it means it's equipped, so that's what you're using. So if you wanted to use something else, you could just like unclick that and then and click. And that then automatically sorts it in the encounter thing, does it? By yeah. By that speed. Sort yeah, basically, yeah. If, you're, if you've currently got a heavy weapon equipped, it like bumps you down the initiative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just when I was turning... I thought, well, he's putting me on the bottom of the list, but yeah. I didn't know. All oh, right, okay, cool. Oh, that makes sense. Um, John, is there a way for us to find that map, the handout that you had? Well, the one that I just um, showed you. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to... Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I just saw it there. Under G, G7 map. Yeah, hold on a second. I'm just trying to remember where I've put it now. It's under G7 160111, which are ruins. That's the one. So uh, treasure map. Okay. So what I will do is I'll move it out of there and into like the main folder, so you should now be able to see it. Cool, perfect. And I've made it accessible to all of you guys, so if you just like click on it, it should pop up and show you the the image. And what I'll do is after this session, I'll make an item that I can put in whoever's inventory has got it, which I have the same picture on it. Oh, excellent! Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It's just unfortunately because because um, like all the items can like pretty much be seen. If you've got anything you don't want to be seen straight away, you have to sort of like jigger it around a bit. But yeah, oh, you can... oh, is it all there even if you haven't found it? Sort of thing. If I didn't, if I didn't do it this way, I believe it would be. Yeah, uh... because I can see lots of stuff there, but yeah, I don't know if you can click on it. I haven't tried to, but. Okay, so we'll wait for Johannes to get back and then we'll crack on again. Obviously the um the brief sort of like cutscene interlude was your man cotton nickel that you sent to to one of the forts basically going like, Oh hire us a hire us six guys and Colin was like and make three of them dwarves and uh, which I made a roll for. See if he could find any dwarves. He didn't find any dwarves, so we just hired six guys. And you also told him to hire like a, a scholar, basically someone who's a bit more learned. So he's sort of in the process of doing that at the minute. And he's also booked your man Hercules Buchanan, your trader, who you were like, oh yeah, go go back to uh, go back to Rohaline and get all your trading stuff and come and set up your trade post near our village. So he's gone with Cotton Nickel to the fort. He's booked passage back to Rohaline, and when that's complete and he gets back, he'll be able to move out with that. And the way I'm doing this is rather like sort of like clocks in like ICRPG or a few other games is at the end of each session, I'm basically just sort of like rolling a dice for them 
adding that number to like their progress clock so I know like how far along they are with like what they're doing. Perfect. So that's like a village guard, is it? Yeah. You, yeah, you basically cuz you basically he was going to settle in the um the ruins of the castle main to the west and you were like well there's an actual village here like you're obviously a soldierly type we could do with some more people to defend the village while we're away and the village will obviously like help you out and whatever could you come and stay here maybe train up some of the local villagers and he was like yeah yeah fine and because uh, he's like an ex-soldier himself and they're like oh well we could probably do with a few more other like sort of more proficient people in combat like soldiers rather than just like villagers with like pitchforks and whatnot so like oh if you, if you go into like the fort see if you can hire some more men to like come back and like let's say act as like a village guard sort of deal sounds good okay so you guys have slain the this sort of huge prehistoric cave bear along with the undead from earlier the Malcolm's boar, not looking too clever. It, it's basically like dragging itself through the snow, like leaving a trail of like its innards behind it as it's <laughs> sort of moving. Um, the fire's still lit. Brother Lomas is still holding his like burning brand high in his hands. It's still night time. Nothing else has appeared to menace you from the cave. There's been no sign of any other undead turning up. Although I suppose in, in a sort of old school tradition I should roll a d6 to see whether any more undead have turned up. So let's do that now. No, no other undead have turned up. So you're all in this clearing obviously because of the adrenaline and like, or what you've been doing, you're all feeling more awake now. But it is still the middle of the night. What do you want to do? Okay. So I would like to try and patch up my bear, my boar even, as best I can. Um um so i guess mechanically will it heal or is it, it since it's resting it will heal 1d3 hit points yeah okay cool so i'll just yeah. try to make sure it doesn't die over the course of my yeah just, just roll a d3 and i don't know that's fine i was gonna say i think it, it might be worth um doing a cure wounds on it i mean it's a useful <laughs> useful asset isn't it <laughs> it is a bit well obviously you are you are the word of Leander in this situation, Brother Lomas. So if you if you believe that's an appropriate use of your divinely given powers, that's entirely down to you. I think it's um yeah, it gives us more survivability, especially being one member of the team down. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna use one of my two cure light wounds on him. Go on for the it. Rod seven hit points, I guess, mate. I think I've rolled it. Um, oh, no, you have to click on the roll again. Oh, yeah, I'll see it now, sorry. That's yeah, alright, that's fine. Okay, so you get three hit points back on your boar as okay. the friar lays his hand on the injured creature and whispers a prayer to, as you call it, Malcolm, his prophet, since you, you're a little bit doubtful about this whole divinity thing. However... As he utters this prayer to Leander, you do see, although the boar is not completely healed, you do notice like some of the, the shallower wounds, the cuts, the scrapes, the grazes, like close over as he's like laying his hand on the flank of this creature. The boar itself seems fairly grateful for this, and it actually turns around and it licks your hand, Brother Lomas. 
Um, yeah, so <clears throat> Malcolm will look on for Alomas with a new light. Um, probably not enough to stop making profit jokes, but <laughs> oh yeah, you know, a bit, a bit, a tiny bit more respect there, maybe. Um, okay, so what now, guys? It's over to you. Uh, it's still night time, is it, or is it, it just is, the next morning? It is night time, yeah. Okay. Obviously, if you guys want to get some shut eye, take watches and whatever you can do. I think we should. Then... That's probably a good call. <clears throat> okay. Let me see if I can remember how to change it to daylight on the map. There we go. So if I remove the campfire light, everything will go dark for a minute. And then you all wake up the next morning. I'm hoping you can all now see the map. That is pretty awesome, to be fair, Chuck. And as the... I'll make just one more D6 roll to see if anything happens. I don't think it will, but... Yep, the night passes uneventfully since um, Brother Lomas has been sort of like putting a lot of effort in there. The rest of you like take your watches. You all wake up in the morning around the the now burnt out embers of your campfire. The rain has stopped, or it will do when I turn it off. So there we go. And there is sunshine shining down onto the the white snow that is mottled here and there by the blood of the previous night's excursions. You all wake up, you're feeling a little bit tired, a little bit groggy, because obviously you didn't get like a restful night's sleep, but you managed to get enough sleep so you're not going to take any penalties or anything like that. Your boar looks in a little bit... Yeah, no worries. Your boar Tusker looks in a a little bit better shape. He's obviously not up to 100%, but he's better than he was. He doesn't look like he's going to keel over and die any second. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Hi, man. I've been suffering with nosebleeds. So, continue, but I shall mute myself. <laughs> no worries, dude. Okay, so it's morning. It's, it's fairly cold. I mean, we're talking like a couple of degrees... That it's not snowing, the rain has stopped, the sunlight is shining down on the scene. Okay. Uh, so, as I recall, our options are back to the stone to attack the creatures, the mutants, and examine the stone, or back to the barrel mount. Um, if there's anything else. No, I don't think there is. They're kind of the options. Um, we'd kind of rule out doing anything else at the stone, hadn't we? Because it was just the stone. Yeah, the stone takes a little bit more than we can do right now, I think. 
Um, now, the, we, we believe that this um, necromancer, sorcerer, he leaves the tomb and goes to the Chaos Stone at night, does he, John? Is that right? You've not been given any definite sort of a bead on his movements. You were told that he was sort of leading the his mutant creatures in the attack on the tomb, which is where, you know, the Frost Dwarves are besieged. You, okay. you have been told by the Frost Dwarves that you spoke to, um, the camp where you met them is marked on the map, that he was after the stone, and that's why he left a lot of his mutant creatures to guard it. So you would assume he's there at the stone at some point. Okay. But you don't know like what his timetable is effectively. Okay. They must be drawing power from that stone though, or else they wouldn't be guarding it, would they? It's definitely I I don't know if he's not trying to trying to draw power from it, as opposed to currently being able to. Um, I mean, is that the thing that's drawing all the undead to the island, do we think, potentially? Or do we think that's inside the tomb itself? Because they did yeah, mention the, something about it inside the tomb, didn't they? Yeah, the... the um, as far as... Well, all, all of this is, I guess, just supposition and, and guesswork. But we think the knights are the ones attracting the the dead, and they're taking the dead to fight these whatever these are. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, the stone is. Quite heavily out, we're quite heavily outnumbered there, aren't we? Yeah, but well, early in the day, and two or three attacks could weed out their numbers because they're not bright. Mm. You know, um, we certainly had the range on them, didn't we? Yeah, and then you know, if we can run away for an hour and then come back, take out another three or four, um. It may be that there's something to be learned from the stone. Or maybe, yeah. I wonder if, the, if there's anything we could learn about this sorcerer before we came up against them in the tomb. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we had the skills to sort of magically learn anything from the stone itself. Mm even if we cleared it out of the area. But there may be inscriptions or anything on it either that may, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you are right. It could also be a fool's errand. But my sense is he's guarding it for a reason and that it would oh, be definitely. better if it wasn't, if he wasn't. It could definitely be a source of power of some sort or... Yeah, we won't be guarding it for nothing, surely. Should we check it out at least? We 
could see if it's the same as last time. I mean, it could have changed the situation. It could be less heavily guarded, or I'm not sure if. Yeah, but it's only four miles away, so maybe we should hike that far, have a look, see if maybe we can't, uh, you know, wipe out some of these mutants, and then um, if there's still the same amount, or if it looks different, we can head over to the tomb after that. Okay, so is, is that the plan, guys? You're going to head to the stone? Certainly happy to have a look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you hike across to where the stone is, travelling through the the sparsely sort of wooded area of the witch's isle. Let's move us all onto the map for that. Three of you should be down at the in the bottom left of the map. Obviously, okay. you can see the the stone still sort of pulsating away on this sort of raised area. There's a, a smattering of these these mutants around, sort of they appear to have like from previous when they were just sort of like ambling around they now appear to have been pulled sort of close to the stone and you can see there's a couple of particularly large looking mutants which are ping so they stood very near to the stone they appear to be having an animated discussion with each other but you you're too far away to hear what they're saying okay but it doesn't appear like it's a pleasant friendly conversation by the gestures that they're making. Okay, so I have a skill. Uh, in the wilderness, a hunter has a three and six chance of going unnoticed and sneaking up on a target. Mm -hmm. If the hunter goes unnoticed, the target may be surprised. So what I would like to try and do is to creep up to about here if I can, and see if from there I can hear the conversation. Okay, so move yourself over to there, and then we'll have you make your roll. See if you've like successfully snuck over there. Okay. Uh, where am I? I shall arm myself with my sling, just in case no things problems. go slightly awry. Okay, yep, you you scale the, the shallow slope and sort of keeping low in the, the sort of frozen grass and using rocks for cover, you sneak up to the very edge of this raised dais. And as you do, you hear the mutant here that I've just pinged. You can hear a little bit more clearly what they're saying. And he say, he shouts at the other one and he says, I told you, well, we should never have agreed to this. At which point the, the other mutant here, who is a lot larger and appears more heavily muscled and mutated, says, 
we don't have any choice. We have to follow what the sorcerer says. After all, has he not made us mighty and given us power? And he like holds up a sort of a scaled, almost like claw-like hand, and he like cracks his knuckles loudly. And he says, "Would you rather we were starving on the ice floes and still weak and puny?" And he's sort of like he's getting quite aggressive and getting like in the other one's face. At which point, the other one's like, "No, no, of course not." But I, I didn't want to be like this. And he like looks down at his twisted, mutated form. The larger of the two says, "This is a necessary sacrifice for the power that we have gained." The smaller of the two then says, "Of course, you are, you are the leader of the tribe, Ulva." We go where you follow, but I, I have to ask, was it worth what we gained? Was it worth what we lost? And now we are, now we are subject to Takrit's whims and this, this thing of the, of the frost dwarves that he is, he is seeking. He takes our, takes our brothers with him, our tribespeople, trying to delve into their tomb, to, to gain this. This item that he believes will allow him to, to break the stone. And he gestures at the stone with a malformed hand. And we are forced to sit here and wait whilst our people may be dying underground. At which point the one identified as Ulva, the bigger of the two. He says, you know that we, we all bear the mark. And he sort of pulls his rags aside. And from where you are, Malcolm, you can just about make out what appears to be a... Like a very crude, like skull-shaped tattoo on his chest, and then he lets his robes fall in the way of it. He says, "Look, we made our choice. The old leader of the tribe was weak and deserved what happened to him. Now we are strong, and when Takred has this item and this this hammer, this pick, whatever it is, and when he can break the stone and take it to his master." We will reap the rewards that he will be showered with. At which point, this seems to slightly mollify the smaller of the mutants. And he says, well, let, let us hope, uh, Ulva, that is, it is not too long. I, I do not like this, this island, this place where the dead do not stay in their graves. And we are beset every night by these, these creatures. At which point, Ulva says... As soon as Takret has the stone, we will not be required to stay here any longer. And those, those puny dwarves cannot hold out forever. We will be away from here soon. And he so, almost in like a gentle way, he like lays a hand on the shoulder of the smaller mutant and says, uh, "It is, it is good that you feel you can say this to me, but I warn you, do not express." Such misgivings in front of Takrid. I've seen him do terrible things with his power. And you know the power he holds over us. And he, sort of, he like touches his chest where the, the tattoo was. For now we must stay here and guard this until he returns with our kinsmen. And then we will see what is to be done. And the two of them then go back to their guarding. And the conversation just dies down as they sort of walk away from each other.
So he was saying that Tagrid wants to destroy that stone there. He was pointing to that the stone. Yeah, he seemed yeah. to be suggesting that Tagrid was searching for a weapon of the some hammer. kind, that the hammer or a pick that the dwarves possessed, that he could use to break the stone. Perhaps he's perhaps he's planning on moving it when it's broken because obviously it's a giant stone at Take, the minute. You couldn't taking like, a part of it. Yeah, yeah, you you couldn't just like load it onto a boat and like sail away from the island. It's too heavy. Yeah. So sounds like these guys are sort of not super willing to do this, but they've got caught up in it, definitely. Uh, what do we know about the tribes and the ice flows, John? Okay, you don't know a great deal about them. You know that they were believed to be some of the original people from Valconan who did not migrate south like your ancestors did when the Great Ice Age came. They were believed, from what you've heard previously, from the... Um, the, the immortal that you spoke to previously, the judge, they're believed to have been the descendants of the ancient mages who caused the Ice Age, but they're the ones who sort of went, no, we've seen what magic can do, we're breaking our staffs, we're setting aside our magic, we're going to settle for a simple tribal lifestyle, living on the, the ice flows, but we're going to stay in our home. But that's all you really know about them at the moment. Okay. So... I'm going to look back to where the guys are and make a shooting gesture with my hands at Bulba and see what response I get. Okay, I'm going to ask you to make a, another surprise roll, purely because obviously you're trying to attract the attention of your fellows without attracting the attention of the, the mutants. Okay. So, as you... As you're sort of like, I know you obviously not do this, but as you're sort of doing the equivalent of like, psst, psst, guys, <laughs> yeah. guys. From over in this direction, coming from out of the trees, an arrow goes, and like someone's obviously shot out of the tree at you, but has missed. Okay. You can see a, a shape in the trees, and you hear a voice from the trees saying, We're under attack! And like shouted across the clearing. Okay. At which point I would like to shoot Ulva. Okay, no problems. So, unfortunately, you're not going to get surprised because obviously that guy's just like warned everybody. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add everyone into the combat, if I'm doing this correctly. There we go. Obviously, all make sure you're, um, you've got whatever you want to use in this combat sort of equipped. And I'll click on that. Reroll the initiative. There we go. Okay, so it's Brother Lomas going first. Okay. So you've um, you've heard of the warning shout being raised, so you know there's at least one guy in a tree here hmm. who's just tried to shoot at uh, your companion. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> I yeah I'm gonna see him as the uh, the nearest threat, so I'm gonna uh, fire off my sling at that guy in the tree. 
Okay, you'll have a minus two penalty because obviously it's like concealed partly. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still gonna. Take yeah, you can still take a shot. Oof, that'd have missed regardless. Yeah, unfortunately that is not enough. Okay. So you you send your stone flying with the sling and you hear it like into the tree foliage. Okay, so we move on to the mutants. So you hear a rustling as some others hidden in the trees make their presence known. The two over here are going to move in to attack Markham. These two are going to draw back to the stone to protect that, as is this one here. The one up in the tree is going to shoot at Brother Lomas. Which he fails abysmally at. He fires an arrow at you. It falls well short and like thuds into the ground near your feet. So the two attacking Markham. Okay, that's a miss. And that is also a miss. Okay, so these two clumsy mutated figures, like wielding like crude clubs, amble towards you. Michael trying to rain blows down on you, but they're misshapen. Their blows are ungainly, and you're able to like sidestep and dodge around them. Okay, and I think the it's only the other two in the trees here are within range. So I'm going to have them shoot at Malcolm. Obviously, Malcolm's in combat with two of their fellows, but they don't seem that bothered to be honest. So what that's going to mean effectively is there's three combatants. If they get a one or a two on the D6 roll, they've hit Malcolm. If it's anything else, they've hit the other mutants. So I'm just going to roll the D6s first, and then I'll do the attack rolls. Let me slide one of my windows out of the way. There we go. Okay, here we go. Okay, so one has hit Malcolm, one has hit one of the other mutants. So, let me make two attack rolls. So the one that's hit the mutant misses. You hear him, like, he like, turns around as this arrow like sinks in. Like, <laughs> and then the one that's shooting at, and he's going to hit Malcolm, where it's aimed appropriately at Malcolm. Oh. Okay, you take three hit points of damage as a crude arrow thuds into your side from one of these mutants in the trees. Okay, so we've done all of the basic mutants. So we are now going to move on to you, Malcolm. Okay. Uh, is Tusker on the map, is he? Oh, no, he isn't, actually. Let me put him on for you. Got about that cheeky little chappy. There we go. I'll put him down in the bottom left 
Perfect, okay. So, I think that he will charge up here and attack one of these guys. Okay, so hopefully, <clears throat> that's it. That's a hit anyway for five. Indeed it is. And he, your boar charges in and literally spears one of these mutants on its tusks, shakes its head about and its limp body falls to the floor. Okay. And then I want to um, just swing my sword at this one nearest to me as well. Okay. Oh. Okay, describe how you take him down. <clears throat> so basically, I just chop his head off. I'm just irritated that I've been uh, spotted and this is all going wrong, and I just swing my sword and just chop his head yeah, off. Almost with a backhand, you like spin round and slice his head off. His head flies off and his lifeless body falls to the floor. And then I want to move both myself and Tusker into the, uh, the cover of this tree underneath, and then that's fine and you've still got your move that's not a problem okay so now we come on to the the may the sort of like the non-minion two mutants that we've got okay Ulver is going to remain with the stone the other one however is going to run forward and attack malcolm Yeah, he, he runs forward, attempting to attack you. His sort of half reptilian, half wolf-like face snapping at you. And you literally, like, duck down behind the tree as it, and his blow smashes into the tree trunk, causing you no damage whatsoever. As I said, Oliver is staying there, so we move on to Weimar. What do you want to do? Okay. Um... So it's been a while since we were here. Uh, is this low enough for us to shoot up from here? Yes, it is, yeah. Okay. So one, two, three, four. They've upgraded their weaponry somewhat since we were last here. <laughs> so I'm going to shoot over. Okay. Uh, with my longbow. That's a shit roll. Okay, you fire your arrow. It sticks in his scaly hide, at which point he, he sort of turns partly around to face you, and as he does, like some of his rags fall back, and you can see that his right hand is actually almost like a huge sort of like crustacean-like claw, and he basically mm. goes <coughs> and snaps the arrow out of his side, and he lets out a bestial roar, throwing his head, basically like one horn sticking out of his head, as he throws his head back and roars to the sky. Okay, so we'll go on to the next round. Brother Lomas. Um, okay. Can we, we can get up this, um, yes, this can, surface, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to move in to engage this 
uh, this guy here in melee rather than uh, oh that's going to affect my initiative though isn't it John it's, it's fine don't worry about it just go with it um, oh, I don't know if that takes effect next turn or whatever oh I take a swing Sorry, oh. a very palpable hit okay it's it's still damage every little helps yep okay so what were you attacking with is it your staff or it's my staff yeah okay so you're yeah. running and you hit him in the chest as he obviously wasn't expecting you to like sprint up the side of this shallow sort of incline you strike him in the chest you hear like the output of like <coughs> as you wind him as he sort of staggers back half a pace oh yeah, yeah. okay so on to the the normal mutants so the the one who's up in the tree leaps down from the tree he's going to try and get an attack in at malcolm which he blatantly misses and then we've got the the two up in the tree who were furiously firing at you like not caring if they hit their fellows however now like one of you think like that maybe like their leaders or something like that one of their like lieutenants has got gone in they don't seem quite as willing to to just like open fire and sort of damn the consequences however two of the ones who are around the stone are going to charge in And we will have one on Malcolm and one on Brother Lomas. So the one on Malcolm. What can I say? These <laughs> these these mutant combat abilities, man. <clears throat> okay, so the one on Brother Lomas. There we go. Look. So these two <laughs> these two shambling mutants come in and they're like. Swinging around with clubs, and you guys are like, they fall at you. Ser 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 <laughs> seriously, guys, like, stop, stop it, just, just stop it. Do some favour, just stop it. Okay, so that's all of the sort of like the minion star mutants gone. I'm just going to move this one down here. We then go on to Malcolm. Okay, so I will have Tusker Gore the nearest uh, minion. Uh, okay, I'm guessing that's it. Okay, so unfortunately, perhaps due to his injuries, Tusker doesn't land a blow on oh. the mutant. That is irritating. Uh, okay, so then I will use my I mean, scimitar. The, 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 the poor furry little fellow has had a rough night of it, to be honest. Yeah, he he's, has. He's, I've got to be honest, he's not a, even with the healing ministrations of the the wondrous brother Lomas and Leander's blessing. He, he's not he's not firing on all cylinders. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Yeah, maybe if Leander was a proper god and not a prophet. Lost <laughs> oh. <clears throat> cold. Uh, okay, and uh, I will attack this uh, non-minion mutant uh, with my sword. Okay. Uh, okay. It, it would it would seem as though Leander has heard your blasphemy, <laughs> and, you, and you are unable to land a hit on this uh, this semi reptilian mutant. Okay. Okay. So we now come on to 
that very self-same mutant. So he is going to attack Malcolm. Again, mutant combat abilities. He's just flailing around wildly. He's obviously got no real skill in combat and you're just like blocking his blows for, like with comparative ease, to be perfectly honest. Okay, I'm going to have these guys sort of step to the right since they've seen they've mistakenly seen that they're like lieutenants engage you and they're like oh the lieutenant's got this no problems so so they're going to move around and they're going to try and stab your ball because they've seen the balls injured and they're like maybe we stand a bit of a chance of taking it down i think they attacked already this round well the two mutants i think so aren't they yeah didn't all right yeah, no. all right. oh no you're right they have you're right they have i do apologize <clears throat> Leave them where they are. Okay, so I am now going to go on to Ulva, who we are going to have move to here. Since he's seen how like piss poorly his his mutant troops are doing, so he's like, oh, you know, when you want a job doing. Do it yourself, and he literally weighed, and you can see he's got like a like a crude sort of club in one hand, and he's also got this massive like lobster claw hand that he wades in on. So he's got a couple of attacks. So his weapon, first of all, against Malcolm. Ouch! Yeah, he does you one hit point of damage. Then his big old claw hand. does you six points of damage okay so he wades in stabbing at you with his sword and snapping at you with his piscine claw-like appendage and then we're on to <coughs> where i'm all. obviously you're watching all this chaos and this melee at mm -hmm. the very edge as you're sort of looking up this shallow incline uh boy gonna quickly gauge the distance okay these guys are very far away so they will have a bad time shooting hopefully and yeah you you notice that since like the lieutenants waded in they've not actually taken a shot yeah so well i could take a swing or and i do apologize john um i'm I'm going to go, I think, here. Okay. And uh, it's going to be a long way there. But I'll just take a shot with my pistol at the, the mutant in the tree. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so roll, roll your misfire, first of all. Yeah. Okay. So... Make your yeah. attack roll. You'll be at a minus two penalty because I've got yeah. cover. Yeah, it's uh, where is the <coughs> pistol? Yep, that that went as well as could have been predicted. <laughs> okay, so you fire off your pistol. There's an extremely loud bang. Obviously, the acrid smell of smoke as like the black powder drifts. Yeah, up. the whole. 
melee gets a blast of yeah literally you're all you're all engulfed in this foul acrid smelling smoke you're all like coughing and spluttering because of the smoke you're unable to see when a huge chunk of wood on the tree that uh houses the the mutants of it is chewed up by the the small metal ball that is propelled from the the barrel of the pistol however they do have to make a morale check because a black powder weapon has been used so row 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 so what i'm gonna <laughs> what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna i'm gonna basically make one check for the minion mutants one check for the reptile face and one check for oliver so come on praise gail maybe leander too fuck <laughs> anyone praise anyone okay so i need to get seven or below for the for the normal mutants they're fine Okay, let's see how the reptile face guy does. We can maybe handle those. If we lose one of these, at least, come on. Okay, he's good. (laughs) Let's see how Ulva's doing. Oh boy. Yeah, he's good as well. They're all in a berserk rage. (laughs) Shit. They're just confused by the smoke. You, you, see, you see, you see them sort of like you do see them like flinch, startled, and then you like Ulva basically like screams at them to like stand their ground and like take these intruders down. So you think it's more a case of like they're more scared of him than they are of your yeah. pistol. It's like they're looking like, oh boy, what's this? And he's like, you stand your ground. Yeah, he's like, you maggots. Okay, so. I believe that's everyone for this round, so we're going to the next one. Brother Lomas. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, similar situation. I'm going to take another swing at the... Uh, the Raptor one. Lieutenant type. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's better. Boom. Okay, two hit points of damage. So again, you basically like clout him on the side of the head with your staff. He, he sort of staggers to one side, like raising a hand to his head as you're like. But he is still standing, just. Okay. Yep. So we go on to the, the minion mutants. So. I'm going to do the the two now attacking the ball. Which I shouldn't worry too much about, given the previous star. <laughs> okay, second one. No, so they, they actually seem to be like a little bit scared of getting too close to the ball. And they're sort of like... Pushing either way, it's like yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> no, don't they, they? They don't manage to land like any sort of decent blow on it. So there's just the one left attacking Brother Lomas. Yep. Oh, okay, so he's hit, causing you five hit points of damage. Ouch. As this, as you're sort of, you've just finished clouting the, the the lieutenant around the face, and you're sort of drawn back, ready to pick your next blow. When you feel a pain in your side, and you look down to see this mutant, basically like with a bit of wood with like a nail through it, that's just like slammed it into your rib cage. Yeah, 
that's a savage blow. Okay, the the two in the trees are going to sort of climb down and start heading towards your position. Since they've realised they're not quite so safe after you like, unveiled your um, pistol. And these two are going to move up a little bit. Okay, so we're on to Malcolm. Okay, so again, I'll have Tusker try and clear out this uh, minion uh, beside Ulva. Okay. 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 Yep. Your your boar companion tears the the mutant to the ground. Okay, and then he'll step into that space and put a bit of pressure on Ulva. Okay. And I will use my sword to try and hit Reptile Face. Okay, okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, no. You swing your sword at him and he like blocks it with his crude club. Okay, so we go on to Reptile Face, who is now going to attack you, Malcolm, because obviously you've, you're the one who's attacked him. So, let me just bring up his stats. There we go. And again, dem mutant skills. He, he, he flails at you and does very little. Okay, so we have... Uh, so you've done your stuff. So we've done the, the main the lieutenant, so we've just got all the left now. Okay, so I'm gonna have him attack the boar. Since the boar's like getting up in his face basically. Okay, so your boar takes three hit points of damage. Right. And then his claw hand. And he takes another one damage. Okay. So yeah, as your ball leaps towards Ulva, he stabs it in the side with his crude sort of, I suppose, scimitar you might call it, and then like clamps his claw hand onto the other side and again tears a chunk out of the flank of Tusker. We go on to Warmall. Well, things are looking mighty hairy. And that, that's just the ball. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um... I was going to say, if nothing else, the... Um, the boar's been soaking up a lot of damage that otherwise could have been coming your guys' way. So yeah, that is that is very true. Now, are we are we gonna? <laughs> I guess as as um, Weimar maneuvers uh, behind the melee here, uh, he's kind of like, "Are we gonna make a run for it?" <laughs> They're all fighting, and you're like, guys, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems sensible, but what, what's the sort of opportunity attacks situation? There aren't attacks of opportunity. Nothing at all. Nope. 
if we well even with standard moves we can be off the map <laughs> the, 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 the possibility is as we did previously there are there are rules for like pursuits yeah they'll they'll give chase so they, they might chase day, after you yeah and it, and it basically comes down to like a pursuit role as to like whether they catch you up and obviously if you're full ball running and they catch up and attack you they will have like a bit of a bonus because you're just running away and they're like running you down mm-hmm. but it's not impossible to do them, and like I say, you, you guys did it previously when you you left here. You just like I was it. seriously outnumbered when them next four joined in, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a weight of attacks which you just cannot compete with. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because they've got the range weapons now, which we obviously didn't didn't have last time. So. Yeah, and since my clever ploy did fuck all, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to get at least someone with that. <laughs> well, it's, it's I've found it very reliable so far. To, to to be fair, it was a it was a pretty good plan. I just got some very lucky rolls. Yeah, it's amazing. Hundred percent reliable so far. It's failed everything that you've done with it. Yeah. <laughs> Morale wise. Yeah, I suppose I I should get it get that fixed. <laughs> well, shit. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just go. We need, we need to go. <laughs> and uh, uh, you so might as well start moving because it's, it's your turn, isn't it? Yeah. So I was, I think I was thereabouts. So yeah. I'll go one, two, three, four, five. Yep. And this one gets shot. Okay, go for it. Just shit rolls, just in- incredibly shit rolls, and then uh, I will step off the map. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. You are gone. So I have to make your token invisible. There we go. So you scorp off the map. I remove you from the the combat. There we go. Okay. So next round, it's Brother Lomas. Um, well, I shall make. My retreat also then, um, and I guess we're we're sort of basically going at full pace, aren't we, to try and outrun so, them? So, so. so basically, what I'm getting here is like brother Lomas and Weimar Scarpa, and I'm thinking, yeah, Malcolm will probably survive this, this next round of combat and join us. That's all right, yeah, all right, guys. <laughs> oh, I, I did the zero damage that I could have done. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Br- Brother Lomas is a one hit point, I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's Overly fair. confident. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But feel free to attack Reptile Face before you run. Oh, yeah, you can well. attack and move. Yeah, yeah. You could do that, yeah, for sure. You could smack him and then run. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I shall uh, certainly give that a try. And hopefully you will hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I shall give it a go because uh, he's standing right next to him. Um,. He's only a 12, though. Okay, let me check his armor class. Unfortunately, that is one off what you would need to hit him. So yeah. you you swing out with your staff, but obviously you're already turning on your heels to sort of run, so you misjudge the distance and don't connect with him. However, okay. I will move you towards the edge of the map, and then I will invisible your character Okay. Yep. as you leave the area. I'll also take off the combat tracker as well. 
Okay, so we've got the the basic mutants oh, moving in. Okay, so we've got two of the the mutants attacking Malcolm, one attacking the boar, so I'll do the one on the boar first. Good. Yeah. It takes two hit points of damage. Pretty sure it is a dead boar. That is a dead boar. Okay, yep, so your boar is like put pulped to the ground under the crude club of this mutant. Or Tusker, we hardly knew you. That's it. And I also have got two attacking yourself, Malcolm. So first one misses. Second one hits for four points Ouch. of damage. As these crude club blows rain down on you. However, now it is your go. Okay. Uh, so one last ditch attack at reptile face. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, for nine points of damage. <clears throat> okay. So you've you've got enough to take this this reptile face out. However, as you're sort of going in to like strike your final blow, something unusual happens. You go in, you've got him banged to rights, you can kill him, that's fine. Not a problem. However, as you're moving in, you've basically, you've pretty much like stabbed your weapon in and you're just going to do the and like finish him off. As you stab it in, he's sort of, his head's like slumped over your shoulder because he was getting ready to like attack you and you're like giving it some. He he whispers almost like a breath, breathly into your ear. He's like, take me with you. Okay. Uh, how heavy is he? He's not very heavy. The scrawny boys, right? Yeah, they're they're all they're all pretty scrawny and like mutated. Okay, so that's all a bit weird, but I will most definitely throw him on my shoulder and haul ass. Okay, you've got a good handle now. Carry him with. And also, to be honest, if you're gonna. If you're going to be brutal about it, with him over your shoulder, any blows that are aimed at your head and shoulders while you're running... <laughs> yeah, mutant running. shield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you haul him over your shoulder and you run off. Now, because I always forget these, I'm going to look up the pursuit rules. Because they're, they're a bit weird. Here we go, evasion and pursuit. Okay, so we are in the wilderness. The chance of evasion is a percentile roll. If the percentile evasion roll fails, a pursuit occurs. Okay, so chance of evasion is based on the number of pursuers. So five, six, seven. Okay, so I believe because you're a small group, you have a 90% chance of evading them. So 
obviously only one of you gets to make the roll it's down to you guys who you want to make the roll it's a d100 90 or below you're good uh, do i have anything that helps Well, in either case, I would suggest yeah, suggest it's Malcolm because he's our Pathfinder. Okay. Uh, so I need more than 10 or less than 90. Uh, roll a D100 if you get 90 or less, you've escaped. Okay. <laughs> that is very... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay so because that roll was so near you have escaped but what i'm going to say is for the rest of the day as you're fleeing you are harried by these mutants and the, in the sort of like orcs looking or ring race looking for the hobbits there's several times when you're forced to like hide in hollows under trees etc and you think they come close a few times you know you're literally like hid under a tree branch and they're like walking past it looking for you but as darkness starts to fall, you're finally satisfied that you have evaded them. Okay. Have they so, sort of headed back towards the stone direction? Yeah, after a after a short while, when you're you sort of like dare to come out of like your latest hidey hole to sort of like check them, you think that the majority of them have like returned to where the stone was. It's possible there may be one or two still sort of searching, you know, outliers, like looking around. But you're, ha you're happy there's none in the immediate area, aside from the one that uh, old, uh, Malcolm's still at like, carry on his shoulder. And, uh, and the, rest, it... the rest of them return to the stone. I assume you didn't do the killing blow on him, so uh, did he sort of help us to evade in some way as we were... He will have actually assisted you, yeah. So... Um, He'll have basically told you that they, a lot of the mutants mainly track by scent rather than sight because a lot of them haven't got very good vision. So he'll recommend you know like the sort of like predator style stuff where you like you know cover yourself in mud and like other stuff that will disguise your smell. So he does actually assist you, yeah. Okay. And he seems he actually seems quite keen for them not to find you as well. But okay. you've not really had a chance for any sort of further discussion other than that because you've been like, right, let's let's get ourselves safe first, and then we can like worry about what his dealio is. But okay, as you sort of like I say, as night's falling, you sort of settle down. You're you're sort of taking shelter in the shadow of this hill here, and you're satisfied that the majority of the the mutants appear to have returned to the chaos stone. And you're finally able to breathe a little bit more easily. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to quickly use my other cure light wounds just to get back to uh, anything like hit points. Um, just before doing anything else and forget. So I guess we want to see what this guy's all about, get a bit more backstory, do we? Yeah, definitely feels like it. Okay, so as you're as you start to the questioning him, he holds up a 
like a malformed hand and he says uh, he, he, he starts to like almost like pitifully like thank you and as he's saying that he like pulls down his like the rags the sort of sackcloth clothing that he's wearing and as he does you can see so on his chest in the same location as Ulva he also has one of these crude skull like tattoos but you can see that one of the blows in fact probably the last blow that Malcolm got on him has pretty much like sliced directly through it and, and, he's, and he's literally like thank you thank you Was it almost like a change in his whole personality when you made that hit then? Is it almost like he was sort of cursed or...? It's difficult to tell because obviously like in the chaos yeah. of a sort of a fight. But it was definitely sort of as Malcolm struck this final blow on him and was getting ready to go in for like the finisher, that he was, as he sort of slumped forward, that was when he started saying, like, oh, like, take me with you. Before then, he was just like, right, I'm attacking you. There was no inkling of anything like that. So when he shows this sort of this um, tattoo-type symbol, I'll, I'll ask, um, who gave you that, that tattoo? He says, it is the mark of Takrit's master. It, it binds us to his will. So he controlled your mind with that? Not our minds, but he can use it to inflict great pain on us. He he forces us to do a Takret's will. And, and do you my, feel myself released? Myself and all my people. Do, do you feel released now that it's, it seems damaged? Or... He says, I, I, I do not know whether... Whether it will still affect me, but I, I make no apologies when you, and he, he gestures with a malformed hand towards Malcolm. When you, when you struck me that blow, I, I saw my chance and I took it, hmm. hoping that the others would believe me to already be dead and that they would not pursue me. Otherwise, if I had just attempted to leave, they would have pursued me and brought me back. Mm. What can you tell us of this Takrit sorcerer? He says, uh, he, he, I am ashamed to say that uh, he was once, uh, when he was younger, he was once one of my tribe. Uh, he he practiced forbidden arts. My, my people, before this, and he gestures at himself, we have our ancestors long ago set aside such evil sorceries and we have no truck with it but he he had a natural ability with it and for that he was he was cast out of our tribe we thought that would be the last we saw of him but he returned more powerful and together with Oliver took control of the tribe placing Oliver in charge he then used his magics to to make us as we are now and to brand us with his master's mark and he sort of like clutches almost instinctively at his chest where the, tat the damaged tattoo is okay. and what 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 
What's the name of your tribe? He says, we, we are known as the, the Cold Walkers. Or we were. And he looks, it's difficult to look wistful and you've got like a twisted reptile face, but he looks sad. Okay. And how many of your kin are here now? He says, only those who are at the stone and perhaps a dozen others who are with Takrid. I do not know how many of them still live. Uh, we have, there have been many ambushes by the, by the dwarven kin, and we we have taken casualties. And there are no more of our tribe to, to to reinforce this place. Once we are gone, that is all. Okay, and are all of your kin uh, been transformed as you have? Unfortunately, yes. Uh-huh. It is our, it is our greatest belief that the, the the tribal leader is followed by his people, and when Ulva slew the previous tribal leader, which we now know he used the power of Takrit to do so, we were bound to follow him, and before we knew the the, the, the damnable road he was leading us down. We had fallen into the evil clutches of Takrit and were bent to the will of his master. Uh, what do you know of his master? I, I I know only his name. I know that he is called Akbit. Akbit. And I believe he... I have heard it said that he is the one who taught Takrit his use of the, the diabolical arts. So he must be a mighty sorcerer or warlock indeed. But I have never laid eyes on him directly. But I, I only know him by his mark. And again, he like touches the, the point where the tattoo is on himself. From whence do they come, Takrit and the Master? Takrit was born of our tribe. He, on the ice flows to the south. I believe his, from what little I have heard, since Takrit does not talk openly of his master amongst us, he sees himself as above us. We are simply his servants. I believe he, I believe he comes from the west, the mountains to the west. And then he, he sort of leans in a bit and he says, "Old man, I have heard it said amongst my my fellows. I do not know how true this is that." Takrit made us like this in imitation of the the servants that his master has created but he has always seemed disappointed in the results in how although we are more powerful now we are twisted horrible things as you can see and again he looks so sad and you see some maybe like a bit of moisture in his reptilian eyes I was not always the, the the beast you see in front of you now. I was once a, a man as you are. Uh, why does Tackard wish to break the stone? I believe that he he wishes to remove it from the island. Uh, 
I do not know what he exactly he plans to do since he does not speak of his plans to us. I believe he plan he's seeking uh, the, the st we when we first arrived he ordered us to break the stone so that it could be moved but our our weapons were as nothing to the stone we could not even chip it. Then he perhaps through some of his spell casting I do not know he believed that the the dwarves in their their ancient tomb held something that could be used to break the stone and that is why he ordered my fellows to lay siege to them and he has gone with them to try and retrieve this item we were left such as we are to to guard the stone until his return and how long has he been gone he he visits occasionally leaving the, the a garrison of my kind behind but it has been a long time originally he had hoped to simply enter the tomb but then we were beset by the walking dead and we were forced to fend them off delaying his plans he then ordered the rest of us to launch attacks on the the old burial ground nearer to the south of the island to slay as many of the undead as we could and pulling those men away from the from the dwarven tomb has slowed things down a lot but from what I have heard from my tribes people the many of the undead including many of their leaders have fallen before us I've, I don't know if this is true but I've heard only one now remains and the numbers of the dead become less with each passing night soon he will be able to regroup and press on into the the dwarven tomb with much greater numbers and then it is only a matter of time before he finds what he seeks and i do not know what, what will happen then that is why when i had the chance i to, to get away with yourselves i, I took it I, so he is to the southeast in the burial tombs fighting against the remain the last night is he? I, I do not believe Takrit himself is there but a number of my kid have been sent there I know that at one point when there were still many of the the knights remaining Takrit would join the attacks there to use his magics against them to hold them whilst we dealt with the lesser creatures but i believe now there is only one remaining he leaves it to my kind to to deal with it okay but i have not seen him for some time i have been at the stone so i do not know whether this is still the case okay do you know what this actually what the stone actually does you know what power he's trying to obtain from it I have no, as I say, my people have long forsaken sorcery. I have no great understanding of it. But from what I have heard, I believe he thinks it is a source of power that can be tapped to increase the, the abilities of himself and his master. But as I've said, he, it see, he seems to believe it vital to his plan that the stone is removed from the island perhaps to be taken to his master i do not know do you think any of your other um kin would be willing to help us to stop tagrid 
if if they could be freed from the hold he has over them i have no doubt they would my my people were deceived by all the betrayed by one of our own and we were led down this dark path before we even knew what was really happening and ever since then we have been bent to Takrit's will if they if they could be somehow freed of it i'm sure that many of them although perhaps not all would would seek to cast Takrit down as i say we we have no love of sorcerers or their ilk Have how many of your kin attacked the tombs? Do you know, or when when you last? I I do, I do not know the exact numbers. I'm afraid. I do, and he, again he looks sad. He says, "Since I've been stationed at the stone, I do not even know how many of my my brothers and sisters yet live on the island. Mm. I simply know that all of us were drawn here. At the the last time we were all gathered, there could have been." No more than with the, with the casualties we have taken from the the dwarven raids and the undead, there could be no more than twenty of us. Okay, seven at the stone. Okay. Mm -hmm. It sounds like we need these guys to help us take this Tagrid down, but without taking Tagrid down, they're sort of under his control. I wonder should we try and talk to the knight? What time is it now, John? It's late, is it? Yeah, it's... Well, it's it's just getting to early evening because you're having this conversation because okay. you're running through all the day and I've made in pursuit. So we know he comes alive at night That's and the correct. battle happens at night. So... Yep. I know that we're injured and stuff, so I wonder should we hide for another day and then go, not tonight but tomorrow night, or should we go tonight in case it's his last night? And the battle takes place at the tombs or at the stone? Did at we... the tombs, we believe. Hmm. I mean, do we think we could observe it from a, a sort of safe vantage point? The tombs to see, you know, how the battle's going and whether we need to get involved or not. Or if he can hang on for another, you know, few days. Well, maybe if we got to the, the Frost Dwarf camp or near there, so we could hide in the hills and see what was going on. Yeah, might be able to get a good vantage point from the hills on to see the tomb. See what sort of numbers are involved and how badly it's going one way or the other. I mean, it sounds like we're basically aiding Tagrid's caused by killing undead ourselves at the moment because the only allies that the this night guy seems to have at the moment true but that group last night didn't give us any choice oh no i'm not saying we 
we had a lot of choice, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, we've potentially yeah. weakened their their number. Okay. But. So why don't we go as far as the Frost Dwarf camp and see if there's anyone there, and then from there we can decide whether to move forward or not. Okay, so you make your way over to the the previous site of the Frost Dwarf encampment. I'll make a quick roll to see if anything happens while you're travelling there. We can also look to uh, regroup with our, our other companion. Okay, so n nothing occurs that's noteworthy as you travel to the Frost Dwarf camp. They're no longer there. You find the signs of that like, previous encampment, the, the sort of fire that they've kicked dirt over to like put it out. A few like chicken bones and various bits and pieces have left around, but they don't appear to be there at the moment. Okay. Obviously, obviously, you know that it, it like wasn't like a permanent encampment. It was just like yeah, a radio, yeah, yeah. a sort of like a sapper group that had like camped there briefly. Can we try and find a good vantage point to see the tomb where we've still got some cover? To... So, is that the nightly tomb you want to head to? Yes. Oh, know. is that is that where the fight is? That that's where the um. That's the battleground. The undead knight rises and is apparently opposed by these mutant creatures. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So he doesn't travel to the tomb. They actually fight at the, the nightly. Yeah, the the place where the the dwarves fight is the tomb. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. The the dwarves are fighting Takrid's forces here. They're besieged. And the the undead knight is also fighting against a portion of Takrid's forces here. So maybe we should, yeah, investigate, see if we can help the knight. You yeah, know, I think we should definitely try and get a vantage point of the knightly tomb. Yeah, yeah. Because if we can aid him in some way, then, you know, obviously he could potentially aid us to get rid of this tag grid. Yeah. Okay, so you travel to the knightly tomb. Those of you who have been there before, so you're at a bit of a distance, you know, sort of overlooking it, as you said. Those of you who have been there before, you recognise the familiar sort of overgrown stone ruins where you know there to be sarcophaguses dotted around. As you get nearer to it, you can hear the sound of fighting and combat. As you peer over from your vantage point into the the ruins you can see so sort of in the central area surrounded by must be at least a dozen of these mutated tribesmen you see a tall skeletal figure wearing metal armor and furs sort of pinpricks of bright light glowing in its hollow sockets it has maybe six but the undead sort of formed around it and it's skillfully wielding a sword like attacking these mutants but you can see they're gradually being overrun and as you watch the mutants like pull down one of the skeletons and like smash it to bits with clubs and the circle of undead is getting like tighter and tighter around the the undead knight although he himself doesn't appear to have actually been affected that much at the minute although it's difficult to tell but where it's the undead are just like uh, uh, fighting against the mutants. He's actually like skillfully like wielding his sword and like jabbing the sword and swiping at these mutants. 
and as you watch he stabs his sword into one of the mutants and then literally like kicks him off the end of his sword but as you watch you can gradually see the undead forces are slowly getting swamped by the numerical superiority of the mutants and that okay. is where we're going to draw an end to this evening's session and obviously we'll pick up next time with you guys at the ruins watching this take place i'll work out a way to finagle leopold back in perhaps perhaps approaching with some dwarven reinforcements who knows some healing potions <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, a caravan of healing supplies mm, like so, so <laughs> thank you very much for playing guys i hope you enjoyed the game as much as i enjoyed yeah it was very good job okay and obviously we'll yeah, talk cool. about xp etc in a bit but for now i'm just gonna say thanks to my wonderful players and to anyone who's watching this in an hour in the future take care we'll catch you soon mm -hmm.